So we've been making our way through the book of First through First Corinthians. That's Sunday morning. Uh, through the book of Colossians, uh, I read a story about a group of guys. They went hunting. Uh, I'm not sure if it was in Michigan, but it's pronounced the same way Michigan is. Uh, and they were camping, and they were decided what they would do would be best was to divide up in groups, and they would go out in pairs to each of the zones in their little hunting area. Uh, and there were about six or eight guys there, so uh, three couple, three groups, or four groups would work well. And so they divided up, and they went out, and, and six of these guys were sitting around the campfire at night, and, and they were just sitting there talking about the day's hunt. And one of their buddies started coming up, and he's dragging this huge buck. Uh, and they are just all fanning and ooing on over the size of this deer. They'd never seen one on this property that big, and they were so impressed, and they were patting him on the back, and after a little while, they said, hey, where's Frank? And he goes, well, for a while, Frank was helping me drag him, but then Frank started gripping his chest, and he fell over, and I knew that nobody would steal Frank, but I was afraid they would steal my deer. <laughs> so they went back to find Frank later. Uh, you know, sometimes as we go through life, sometimes our priorities can kind of fall out of place. Uh, you know, sometimes our, our number one priority or the one that should have first place in our lives sometimes gets moved down. Uh, and unfortunately, as we move Christ down sometimes, sometimes it's a free fall because other things just take more of a priority. Uh, as we come to Colossians, and as we look at Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20, uh, Paul is really emphasizing to the people of Colossae uh, that Christ should have preeminence, and Christ should have preeminence in all things. Uh, and that's what we see laid out here. So let's open our Bibles to Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. Colossians 1, verses 15 through 20. Uh, as you look at Colossians 1, verse 15, right above verse 15, what is your heading? What's that? The supremacy of the Son of God. The supremacy of the Son of God, okay? Same thing, all right. What translation do you have? NIV. Somebody, somebody other than an NIV. Okay, the preeminence, all right? Uh, and so that's what we see here. So to think about the preeminency of Christ... Uh, I didn't have to go very far to create a title. It's not a very fancy heading, but that's what we see here. So let's look at verse 15. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Now, as we look at this and as we see this, Paul begins verse 15 here, and he says, He is the image of the invisible God. When we see that, or when we hear that, what is Paul talking about here when he says that Christ is the image of the invisible God? He knew God, or he is God, he is God okay? 
Steve. He's the exact copy of God. Okay. He's the exact copy uh, of God. Uh, Christ is the visible, making the invisible visible. Okay? Uh, that's what Christ has done for us. Uh, without Christ, we wouldn't know who God is. But Christ came to show us and to reveal to us uh, who God is. And Christ... Uh, this word for image here means exact likeness, okay? An image is an exact likeness, and Christ is the exact likeness. He's, he's exact in every way. Uh, he's uh, just that exact representation of the Father. Uh, and as Nate said, Jesus is fully God, isn't he? Jesus is fully God. Now, these are just a couple of verses that kind of speak on uh, Jesus being the image of God. Uh, John 1, 1 and 2 say this, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So as we look at this and we see Christ, what aspects of the image of God, the exact representation of God, do we see here in this passage? He was with God in the beginning. Okay, he was with God in the beginning. Uh, and as we look at Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God, this begins the same way, doesn't it? In the beginning, when it all began, when time began, Christ was there. So what does that tell us about Christ? Always was, has always been. Eternal is the fancy Greek word. Okay? Eternal. So he's always existed. All right? Always existed in eternity past, always existing in eternity future. And only God is that. Alright? And then this says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So, just as Nate said, the Word is God. That's that's Jesus Christ, isn't it? This is 1 John 1, 14. The Word became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Alright? So, as we look at 1-1, we see the deity of Christ, don't we? The exact representation of God. In John 1.14, what do we see about Christ? Right, the humanity of Christ. The deity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. One of the things that the people of Colossae were struggling with was the humanity of Christ. Uh, it's amazing in the first century, second century, third century, all of those false, all of those false teachings that were going on. The thing that they struggled with was his humanity. They didn't think he was fully human. They believed in his deity, but they did not believe in his humanity. It's amazing how that has changed now, right? Because now we hear people say Jesus was just a good God. He was just a man. He was nothing more than just a man. That was not a struggle for those early cults. Uh, they saw him as God, uh, but they didn't see his humanity. Uh, but here we see his humanity uh, laid out for us. So fully God, fully man. Uh, this is John 1, verse 18. It says, No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Who is at the Father's side? Jesus Christ. He is the one who has made him known. Uh, and we've talked about this before when we went through our, our study of foundations. 
Uh, no one has ever seen God. We think about Moses who saw God. We think about Adam and Eve who saw God. Uh, so we have that in scripture that there was a visual sighting of God. But this tells us that they haven't seen God, but they've seen the Son. So there's a reminder here of the Christophanies that are in the Old Testament where Jesus himself in his pre-incarnate appeared before man back then. So Jesus fully revealed and has made God fully known uh, in the Old Testament before, uh, before he came, before the incarnation, uh, and then in the New Testament with his incarnation, full representation of God, complete likeness, every likeness. Uh, this is John 12, 45. Whoever sees me sees him who sent me. So as we think about those verses, what do we see? Okay, full representation uh, of the Father. That's that's what Jesus is. Okay, not to be a horse to death, but let's look at John fourteen nine. <clears throat> Jesus said, uh, "Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father?'" Uh, this is Hebrews 1.3. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power, making purification for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So, all of this to say, he is the image of the invisible God. He is the visible representation of of the invisible God. That's that's who Jesus is. Alright? Any thoughts about that? Any questions about that? Alright? Perfect. Number three. With all of this being said, is there a way for us to know the one true God without knowing his son. There is no way, is there? There is no way. Uh, there are many who think they can. There are many who teach that they can. But without Christ, we cannot know the Father. Because Christ coming in the, the perfect image of God, uh, because he's the exact representation of God, uh, without Christ, we cannot know God. As we look at nature, we see the things of nature that show us God, that reveal to us there is a God, but we cannot know God in a personal way through those things. Uh, they just show us and show us evidence of the existence of God. Uh, but only Christ, only knowing Christ, uh, lets us know the Father. That is, that is the only way. Okay, now let's look at this. It says... He is the image of the invisible God in verse 15 of Colossians 1. And it says, the firstborn of all creation. What does it mean that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation? What does that mean? Firstborn of the dead. Firstborn of the dead. Okay, we read that later. Okay. What else does this mean? He was there at the beginning, like in Genesis 26, that let us make man in our own image, so he was essentially there okay. before anything was ever made. Okay, alright. What else do we see about this? What else do we know about this? He's over all creation. Okay, he's over all creation. Okay. Uh, 
there are some who teach that because this says that he is the firstborn of creation, that Jesus was a created being. That is not first, second, third century doctrine. That is something that's come much later. Trying to grasp the Trinity and how the Trinity works, uh, that is what they've said, is that Jesus is a created being. Is that true that Jesus is a created being? No. I mean, we see that from John 1, 1, right? So Jesus is not a created being. So this cannot mean that Jesus was created first. That's, that's not what this can mean. Uh, but the firstborn simply means of first importance or first in rank. Okay? When we think about, when we think about Solomon, all right? Uh, Solomon 89, 27 says this. I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of earth. Was Solomon David's firstborn son? He wasn't, was he? Uh, he had all of those other troubled teens, remember? All right. Uh, this was his son from Bathsheba. His first son from Bathsheba died. Uh, and Solomon was a, was a son of Bathsheba's. Okay. But what does it mean that he was the firstborn? What does it mean in this verse that he's the firstborn? He's the highest one. So the reign of David was given to Solomon. And Solomon became that one of first importance. Okay. It says the highest of the kings of the earth. So that was Solomon's position. So as we think about Christ, that is his position. Uh, the firstborn, he's uh, first importance. He ranks number one. Uh, he's, the, he's the highest of highs. That's who Jesus Christ is. And what, that's what that means, that he is the firstborn of creation. As we, the created, look at him, we see him as having first place. Okay? Does that make sense? All right, any questions about that? Okay, you guys are doing great. All right. So now, look at verse 15 again. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Uh, what does the word all mean in the Greek? All. All. Okay. How much did he create? Most of it? All things. So Christ was involved uh, in creation, wasn't he? Uh, all things were created by him. Uh, this is John 1, verse 3. Remember 1, 1 and 1, 2? In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Okay, this is verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. See that word all in there? All things. Well, what about, what about, what if without him was not anything made that was made? That is what John is teaching there. That's what John is sharing here. And that's what Paul is laying out for us as well. That he's the creator of all things. That all things were created by him and through him and for him, it says. Uh, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. All things were. Now, as you think about this, as I, listening to this as a, as a two-year-old, that's where my mind often operates, okay? 
square pegs, square holes, round pegs, round holes. That's kind of the, what I have to grasp, okay? Uh, I, I think verse 16 is a great argument uh, for those of us who doubt. Uh, he says, all things, by him all things were created, okay? What about the things in heaven? In heaven, all right? What's the opposite of heaven? Earth. All things in heaven and all things in earth. So that right there takes away one of the buts, right? But what about all things in heaven, Darren? All things on earth. All right? So my next argument. What about things that are invisible? <laughs> all things that are visible and all things that are invisible. What else is there? I mean, he takes care of both arenas right there, doesn't he? Okay? He's not done yet. Uh, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now, as we think about this society, the society of Colossae, there was a lot of angel worship. All right? A lot of angel worship. What does this say in regards to angels? Created beings. Okay? All created beings. He's created all things. Now, what would that do for us in regards to Jesus uh, when we think about what he's just shared here? What's that? Everything was created for him. Okay, everything was created for him. Okay, all right. He Okay, he doesn't want us to worship the creator, he wants us to worship the creator. When we think about things like this, and angels included in this, I mean, angels are magnificent creatures, but uh, all things were created through him, for him, uh, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. So no matter where we think in the hierarchy of things, okay, whether angels are the things we're worshiping or because they're pretty amazing, okay? Uh, so if that's the thing that we're worshiping because of their amazingness, or Caesar because of his amazingness, because of his dominion, because of where he's at. Uh, you know, whatever we see is worthy of our worship that we put on an elevated list, Jesus is above that. That is what his point is. That is what he is sharing here is he is above all things. And, and no matter where you argue, no matter where you are on the scale, on the scale of things, he is the greatest. He is to be above those things. He is to have preeminence even in those things. Do you see that argument that he's making there? The point that he's laying out there for us? Uh, he's really uh, laying aside any excuses uh, that we may have. All right? Thoughts about that or questions about that? The angels didn't want to be worshipped. not Yes, exactly. Uh, Lucifer was pretty excited about worship. But the other other angels that we see that receive worship, uh, they they quickly shut it down, don't they? Yeah, they do. They got worship very serious. Okay. I mean, throughout Scripture, you see people who lost their lives mm -hmm. worshiping him. Yeah. Not the manner he wants them to be worshiped. Yes, exactly, exactly. Uh, and so he lays that out very, very, very clearly here. Now look at verse seventeen. He is before all things. That's really his argument that he's just laid out for us. It says, and in him, all things hold together. Now, as we think about Christ's role together today, 
his role in creation. What do we see there in verse 17 in regards to his role in creation even today? Holds it all together. He holds it all together. Uh, Hebrews 1.3 says this as well. Uh, it says, The exact imprint of nature, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Uh, he holds all, everything together. I read somewhere once that we are made of atoms. Our bodies are made of lots of little atoms. And they really don't can't tell or don't understand what makes our atoms stay together. There's something that holds us together. Uh, and, and you think about that, uh, it's kind of an amazing thought and kind of a mind-boggling thought when you think about how everything is made up of atoms and yet somehow they all hold together, that somehow they bond together. Uh, and that is part of what Christ has done in his creation. Uh, he makes it all work. He holds all things together. Uh, and so that is the work of Jesus Christ in his, in his creation. Uh, as you think about that, is there any, uh, any thought of deity in that? Total deity. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for us to explain that away, isn't it? Yeah. How powerful he is. Right, How right. He is, and he deserves all the glory. Yes. To be able to with everything and you look at creation and precision you know we can tell what time the sun's going to come up mm -hmm. months down or full moon or yeah. how precise all all according to his precise right. creation and how he holds yes. that together yes uh, i have a logos bible program is what i have on my computer and there's a, there's a group that's always sending out different thoughts. Uh, and one of the things that I received this week is the question, what is your favorite passage of scripture to preach through? Uh, and so it, many people have answered that question. Uh, and one of, the, one of the guys answered the thought uh, that anything that has to do with, with Christology, the study of Christ, uh, that's what he likes. Uh, and he began listing them out, all of the different ones that, that show us who Christ is. And Colossians 1 was like first or second. I think John 1 was first and, and, and this passage was second. Uh, but as we look at this and we see and just this recognize who Christ is, I mean, Paul's point is the preeminence of Christ. And when we think it is, I mean, there's not many passages that that show us the deity of Christ more clear than this passage in Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, uh, especially verses 15 through 19. Okay, now with all of this stuff in mind here, look what he says in verse 18. He is the head of the body, the church. What does that mean, that he's the head of the body? The church. Okay, he's number one. What is the job of the head of our bodies? He's the head of us, and we are the church. Okay, he's the head of us, and we are the church. Okay, uh, in our bodies, what what controls? What's the controlling thing in our bodies? The head. That's right. The head makes all the decisions, right? Can you? It's it's so amazing how our brains work. Have you guys ever just thought about uh, reminding yourself to breathe? No. 
when you're getting ready to shoot a gun, you have to remind yourselves, hey, breathe. Okay? <laughs> have to control your breathing. But on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't have to remind myself to breathe. Like when I'm playing basketball and I'm running, I don't breathe, breathe, breathe. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Uh, and I don't even say sweat, sweat, sweat. That just happens. What controls that? The brain does. The brain does. The brain sends those instructions down and, and the brain responds and, and leads and directs. When we put our hand on a hot iron, all right, uh, Sunday morning, we're rushing to get ready, pull the clothes out, we've got to iron them, we touch it to see if it's hot. Our brain tells us, hey, pull back, stupid. Okay? And, you know, sometimes before it even, as it's registering, we realize it's hot. Okay? Our brain does that. But our brain directs the rest of our bodies. Uh, and Jesus is the head of the church. He's the, he's the brains of the outfit. Uh, he is the originator. Uh, he's the one that, that began the church. He's the one where the church finds its beginning in him. And he's the head of it. He's the one that directs, us, directs the church, leads the church, guides the church. Uh, it, it's all through Christ. Uh, and that's what Paul is reminding the people of Colossae about here as well, that he is the head. Uh, it says here that he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So as we think about it, that Jesus is to be preeminent, I mean, what do we see there in regards to this, thinking about him? He should be preeminent, shouldn't he? He should have first place in our lives. Uh, and as we think about Christ being first place in our lives, what happens to the rest of our life when Christ is in his proper place? Everything falls into place. Everything falls into place. Uh, we used to have that, uh, I don't know, the fair day at the school. What do they call that? Fun night. fun night. You guys have fun night here. We had fun night, but it, it was called something uh, funner. <laughs> uh, but you used to get these stupid little prizes. That's why it was fun night, because you get those stupid prizes. And they were mind game. They were mind game prizes. And sometimes it would be two bent nails. And if you, if you get it just right, you can separate the bent nails. But you can't separate it just by naturally doing it. And you have to hold it a certain way and your tongue out and everything. <laughs> but if you get the first nail in the right place, it comes apart. And you have to hold it in the same way to get it back together. It has to be in the right place. As if you don't have that in the right place, nothing else will work. And you'll just go, you'll just go crazy with it trying to get it. And I finally just got a hammer and solved the puzzle. <laughs> Christ. When he is first place in our lives, we're going to see other things fall into place when he is in first place. But when he is not in first place, nothing else really works like it's supposed to work. Uh, and sometimes, sometimes it's hard for us to realize that. Uh, that's why we pray for Canadagua, right? <laughs> because Christ does need to be first place in our lives. Great opportunity yesterday, this guy I know, 
I've just had connections with him through different things. <coughs> just kind of knows me. For some reason, he kind of likes me. But uh, unsaved. Doesn't, doesn't know Christ. He's unsaved. Unsaved family. Uh, I've had it several times to share, the, several opportunities to share the gospel with him. Uh, and yesterday, uh, we were talking, he just was talking about how, how rough things are. How just things are. And, and, and I knew, I know he's speaking about the economy. I know uh, he does a lot of driving, and so gas prices are kind of working on him a little bit. Um, and, and so, but everything in life is just, you know, just terrible. Uh, but it was a great opportunity for me to talk to him about Christ. And I said, you know, there was a time in my life when I didn't have Christ where he should be in my life. Uh, and as a result of that, uh, things were just crazy. But I said, when you, when you figure out where, where Christ should be and you put Christ in the right place, uh, purpose in your life will fall into place. Uh, and it's true, isn't it? And, and I'd like to say I just read a book about that, but I experienced that in my own life. Uh, and, and so this is what Paul is sharing with the people of Colossae, that, that Christ needs to be recognized for who he is, and when he is recognized for who he is, he is going to be in first place. Uh, it says in verse 19, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Uh, what does that mean? In essence, he is God. Okay. In essence, he is God. He's, he's shared that with us already. But then again, just to make sure that we understand, the fullness of deity dwells. Now, the Gnostics were teaching that he was partially God, that there uh, an emphasis that there wasn't a fullness, that there wasn't completeness, that that was something that we're in search of, is that completeness or that fullness. And so a number of times as we go through this, Paul is going to talk about this fullness. He's going to talk about this completeness. And here he uses that word and he talks about Jesus being fully God. Uh, the fullness of deity dwells in him. Uh, not just a part of him, uh, not just a portion of him, but fully, fully God. All right. Now, verse 20 is a great verse for us. Uh, as you look at verse 20, as you think about Jesus coming into this world, taking on human flesh, God himself taking on human flesh, uh, what was the purpose of that? What was Jesus' mission uh, as he came into this earth, came into this world? To save sinners. To save sinners. How does he do that in that verse? By going to the cross. By going to the cross. And notice what he says here. So through him to reconcile to himself all things. So when we think about reconcile, what does that word reconcile mean? Right. What's that? Coming together. Coming together. Okay, coming together. When our bank sends us that statement, we have to reconcile it, don't we? The bank says, this is what you have. We have to reconcile our account to equal their account, right? Even if our account says more. <laughs> if our account says less, which that's happened once, I think. Okay, but we have to meet what they say. They say, this is the standard. This is what you have. And we reconcile our account to equal their account, right? Our paperwork to, to equal the account, all right? So God came into this world. Did God lower us down? Okay. Did God lower himself down to our level? He came to earth, 
paid the penalty for our sins so that we could be raised up to where he is, didn't he? That is what he did, is reconciled us. And as Miss Lori said, he did that by going to the cross, by shedding his blood on the cross, making peace with God on the cross, with his sacrifice, with his 100% perfect, fully satisfying propitiation. That's what Christ did for us. That's what Christ did for us. As we think about that, is there any reason here, as we look at this argument that Paul has laid out here, is there any reason why he shouldn't be preeminent in our lives? Is there a reason here he shouldn't be preeminent in our worship? All right? Uh, he should be preeminent in everything, right? Uh, I mean, he deserves first place in everything. And that's what Paul's argument here is. That's what Paul is laying out for us. Uh, any thoughts or any questions or any comments? Yes, Miss Joni. It really doesn't pertain to this, but how fearfully and wonderful we're made amazes me. I have a great niece that uh, is due soon, and I said, are you sure you're going to have a boy? She says, I did a blood test months ago, and they found the X chromosome in my blood, which proved I was having a boy. Of course, now the ultrasound proves it. Granddaughter the same way. She already knows she's going to have a girl because they couldn't find any X chromosomes. That is amazing yep. to me. Yep. Absolutely All, all done, created perfectly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's amazing the more we the more we discover, the more it's harder to explain. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Any other thoughts? Yes. Okay. And you see a lot of millionaires, a lot of people with money, money was there, but you see them be invisible. Mm -hmm. A lot of them. I mean apartment price is not Yeah. Yeah. And and unfortunately us as believers, same way, right? Uh, we pursue the things of the world, but they don't bring us that joy. Uh, but only in Christ we find that. Yes, Miss Kim. And you think how he wants us to know this truth. Mm -hmm. Because how glorious that is to know the yep, truth. Right. Because it sets you free from anxiety and worry, knowing who Christ is. He's in control. He says he's working everything out mm -hmm. for our good and his glory. Yeah. And how wonderful that is to know that, right, that right. nothing slips through his hands right. and how perfectly he's got everything set. Yeah, and, and, and you know as you look at this and see this all laid out, I mean, there are just reason after reason after reason that he is to be preeminent, isn't yes. it? Yeah, it's all, it's all laid out there for us. Yeah, and, and very true. And how wonderful it is to have the privilege and opportunity to worship them. Yes, sure, sure. Exactly. And reason for him to be preeminent even in our worship. Yeah. Sure. Any other thoughts? Yes, Miss Island. I understand. I'm with you. Why is he called God's son? That is a great question. I always think of our kids, they come after us. And and I so often I can't get this. Yeah. It comes back to me. And I yeah. Somewhere in eternity past, there was a decision that was made where God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. I have no idea. Uh, it's just laid out that way. It's a great question. If you get there before I do, ask him. And send me an email. Don't do anything well, freaky. Sure. Don't do anything freaky, but send me an email. I'm sure I'm going to get there before. Okay. All right. That's my plan. Yeah. Well, let's have a word of prayer, shall we?